when I when I when I, when I started reading about the North Georgia revival, actually it was several months ago, and uh, so I just kind of got you know interested in revivals and history of revival and, and things like that. And uh, of course, with our social media today, uh, you, they're all on YouTube. You can get them. Uh, you know, uh, there there's lots and lots of coverage. Very fascinating. There's one uh, website I like to go to. It's it's all about revival, revival revisited, or something like that, and uh, just tremendous, tremendous stories. They go back to the Welsh revival, Azusa Street revival in 1905, even further back in 1839, the Ulster Ireland revival. Uh, they're they're absolutely fascinating. So God doesn't leave us alone. I mean, he 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 he's pecking away at us. You know, he doesn't. He doesn't want us to be complacent. He doesn't want us to just, you know, church as usual type of thing. He's after us. He wants to get us. And we can just see that, the history of revival. So there's four revivals that I, I just want to mention. Uh, and, and some of them are familiar with you. Some of you uh, probably not. But one was the Toronto Blessing. How many of you have heard of the Toronto Blessing? Okay, Toronto, Canada. They had it at the airport church. They call it the Vineyard Airport Church. Pastor John Arnott, and he invited evangelist Randy Clark to come and speak. Eh, about four messages. Randy Clark, we had a chance to hear him several times. Great books he's got and stuff like that. But uh, in uh, January of 1994, uh, they had revival almost nightly for 12 years. Started out with 120 people, the church did. He started the church in his mom's basement. This is John Arnett. The small church that grew, but they were they were just under darkness all the time. They were getting attacked all the time, and and he prayed about this. And the Lord said, "No, just bring my light in. Don't don't try to fight darkness in the dark, but bring my light in." And so instead of proclaiming darkness, bring the light of the gospel in. So the Lord told him, "Do two things: commit your mornings to prayer. You and your wife commit your mornings to prayer." And interact or get around those who are already anointed. So they did that. And then, so what did they do? They go to the Toronto Blessing. They go to, to that revival. And they also go, or excuse me, I'm ahead of myself. They go to the Argentina Revival, which had started before that. And that was just, it was just wonderful. It just, in fact, uh, that, that area is almost, if there is a church there, it's usually a Pentecostal spirit-filled church because of that revival in that area. Very powerful. Anyway, they went down to that and they got they, they caught some impartation. And after about a year, th- things happened in their church. They had a 400-seat uh, church that they grew to, and they, they were happy about that. But finally, they had to end up buying a conference center that held 4,000 people. And they figured that in six years, two million people had come. Amazing revival. They call it now the Catch the Fire revival. It's transferable. Many, 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 many ministries have come out of that revival. The second one is the Brownsville revival that was in Pensacola, Florida. This was in uh, 1995. It started on Father's Day. That was Pastor John Kilpatrick, and he had evangelist Steve Hill come. And Steve Hill was a fire and brimstone preacher. He preached repentance. He, he, he preached uh, 
get rid of your sin, and, and, and that's the type of preacher Steve was. And uh, he, uh, actually, John Kilpatrick had a, uh, had, they had a brand new church in 91, and had a strong church, good church, good operating church, his marriage was good, everything was good. But he told the Lord, he said, Lord, I'm hurting, I'm lonely inside, I'm, I'm just, I feel I don't have joy. I have this wonderful church, I'm serving you, but I don't have joy. You would never pick that up uh, on the outside. And so this is what the Lord, after he had prayed to him, he said, Lord, you know, I want to see the things that I preach. I preach Sunday after Sunday, and I don't see these things that I preach and I talk about. I want to see those things happen. And so this is what the Lord told him. If you make your house a house of prayer, I'll show you what to do. And so this is what the Lord showed him. And I thought this was really interesting. He had showed him 12 prayer stations or banners to go to. And when they had prayer in their building, they had these banners. And they called called them stations where they went to. And each station represented something to pray for. And it would be like... uh, Healing, uh, deliverance, uh, praying for the government, praying for schools, uh, praying for deliverances, warfare, uh, revival, all these things. And the people would go to one station, pray for five minutes, go to another station, pray for five minutes. And after five minutes and 12 stations, you've prayed how long? An hour. And the people loved it. They love it. You know, how many of us have said, well, I want to pray. I want to pray earnestly. I want to pray right. And we either fall asleep, our mind drifts off, we don't stay, we don't stay there. And, and this, this really encouraged the people. And so their prayer, uh, their prayer night really, really grew. And after two and a half years of this, then revival started. Uh, uh, Pastor Steve Hill gave about a 15-minute sermon, and then he asked everybody to come forward. And at the time, uh, John Kilpatrick, this was, uh, this, uh, John Kilpatrick had, had, had really never had a father. father was gone early. He didn't, didn't tell much about it, but his mother had passed away. And he was sitting on the platform. Steve was preaching. <clears throat> and he said, you know, I didn't even feel like getting up. You know, I, I, I didn't even want to go to church that night. I just felt, in, in a, in a, I was down, and, and, you know, I wanted to, it's another Sunday night service, let's get it over with, you know. Steve starts preaching, he stepped down, and bang. He just got hit, he got laid out for over four hours. He was down <laughs> four o'clock in the afternoon, he was still laying there. And they had people laying all over. And, you know, I always wondered, what do you do with all these people? Church is over. Well, they carried him outside, and they laid him on the lawn and shut the church down. They said, well, I'm going to try it again the next day. So, so I go, well, you know, uh, you can't have him stay at church overnight, you know. So anyway, he's out, you know, the, the, re, the revival hit, and uh, it, it was it, amazing. It lasted six years. 4.5 million came in five years. And something, something that was interesting is after five years, about five years, they, had, they, had, they were done. 
But he said, we were physically exhausted. We just, we were absolutely physically exhausted. We just could not do it anymore. But he said, what we did do is when we started ministering during the service, you know, we got rejuvenated. We were, we were back. We had, we were powerful. We, we had life again. And, uh, but he said, we just, we physically couldn't, we, he said, I couldn't even do some of my household chores. I was so, so tired. So <clears throat> that was the, uh, that was the, um, Pensacola, Brownsville Church, uh, Revival. The third one I want to talk about is the Smithton Revival. That was in Smithton, Missouri. Uh, Pastor Steve and Kathy Gray. This is 1996. Town of, town of 532 people. No gas station. No stoplights. No sidewalk. Uh, Steve started church with about 13 people. It grew to about 180 people. About kind of the size that we are. A little bit. And he was preaching revival uh, for quite a while. And his people were really in on wanting revival. So they had, he had a praying church. And, you know, nothing was happening. And so he goes to Pensacola. Pensacola revival was on at that time. And he's got about two weeks. He's going to take some R&R. He was downhearted. Uh, he was just discouraged. He was going to split with his wife. He was going to dissolve his marriage. He was going to get out of the ministry, maybe be a teacher or something like that. And so he goes down there. Well, he comes back somewhat rejuvenated. But then he walks into a Sunday night service that they had. He walks in the side door. It's 612. And he walks in and he raises his hands and bang. It just hit him, just like that. The power of God hit him, and it hit the congregation at the same time. It's just like he was on cue, and the pastor gets here and jumps, we all jump. Well, they did. There was just bang, and the revival was on. <clears throat> they had five nightly services per week for several years. Thousands came from all over the world. It lasted until 2000, and then they moved into the Kansas City area, like in Raytown, uh, suburb of Kansas City, and they started a World Revival Church where they also built a, he- they built a healing house also. The town was getting pretty tired of them. If you can imagine a town of 532 people and you got all these people coming to your church, they were parked all around and uh, uh, just crowded, crowded all over, parking on people's lawn and everything. The town, the town wanted them out of there. They couldn't sit out in their patio or their deck at night and, and relax because of the, the, that crazy church. Making all that noise and everything. Yeah. Lynette and I went down there one time, and I, 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 I took a picture of her. She was sitting on the front step of that church, and that was something because in a few hours, the, the people were lined up for blocks and blocks and blocks. So I thought, we're going to get there. <laughs> we're going to get there early. And there she was. I took a picture of her sitting on, on, the, on the, the front door, right by the front of the church. And they would take you into an auditorium. They had it set at 55 degrees. And it was actually the church gymnasium because the church was smaller. And so they would fill that gymnasium up. And then they would have an overflow into the actual church itself. And so we went there. Powerful service. Uh, uh, we got prayed for. We went down like, like you do at those things, you know. You don't have to, but you probably will. And then uh, we went another time in the new church. 
And now we might have been there twice, but we went in the new church. And uh, I think the ladies had a conference. In fact, I'm sure they did. How many of them went to a conference down there? Okay. And uh, I don't know the year it was, but... So, I mean, that, that, that one is a little bit familiar with, to us, so... Now, the North Georgia Revival uh, is the one that uh, Mike had sent the email out. That's at Christ Fellowship Church in uh, Dawsonville, Georgia. It's about, I think it's around... I want to say 60 miles north of Atlanta. Pastor Todd Smith, his wife Karen. That one started in February of 2018. Um, I'm sure some of you have probably listened to Pastor Todd's testimony on that. I would really highly recommend that. Very, very interesting. You really get a good insight into revival. And, uh, there, you know, we're getting experienced. We're finding that out. I, I know every time you know, the people in uh, Toronto had no idea how this was going to end or how do we maintain it or anything like that. And it was the same problems. I know Steve Gray, we used to hear him many times in the Smithton Revival. You know, he, you know, uh, you just get smarter as you go. You know, how do you do this? And, you know, without wearing your people out. And Can you imagine our church? We were about that size. Can you imagine having church five nights a week, all these people coming, can you imagine that? Can you imagine how that would change? You know, not everybody likes revival. It kind of disturbs their life. You know, they have people leave the church. No, we don't. We don't want this. So, imagine a church our size. You know, you'd have you've got parking. You've got a. You've got clean up. You got. You got all kinds of things to do. But anyway, this is the things that that, we, that they ran into. In the North Georgia Revival, um, Pastor Todd said they were in a dark place. They wanted to grow. They weren't growing. Something was missing. They were a church. They were a church. It was a good church. A church of about 400 people, I would say. So he instructed his people to go on a 21-day fast. And right away I thought, Really? You know, you know, we've been through periods of fasting ourselves, you know. Uh, but this is something that if you call your congregation to a 21-day fast, boy, that's quite a deal. You're trusting your, your congregation. Um, you know, I, no conviction here, but I don't know how many could maintain that. Uh, I guess that's not the point. He called for the fast, whoever wanted to get involved in the fast. He said, uh, we want no blessings, God. We just want you. We just want you. In Psalm 28, 7 and 8, this is the one that really jumped out at him, at Pastor Todd. He said, Lord, uh, Psalm 28, 7 and 8, Lord, hear my voice when I call. Be gracious to me and answer me. My heart says this about you. Seek his face. And Lord, I will seek your face. And they were seeking to know God intimately, intimately, instead of seeking for his benefits or his blessings. So in the middle of the fast, he had an open vision. He was walking across the front of the, the church was empty, and he was walking across the front of the stage, and the, the baptistry which they had behind him was, was empty. But he had an open vision, and he saw the, bapti- uh, the, the baptism fountain full of water. 
and there was fire on top of the water. Just like if you poured gas on top of it and lit it, you know, you'd have that fire. You know, water doesn't burn, but there's the, it's just fire burning on top of the water. You know, and he, he's, he's wondering, what is this, you know? So after a period of time, he, he really had meditated about that, and he decided um, they're going to start baptizing people on Sunday night service. We're just going to do it. So they had baptized about eight or nine people. Nothing happened. They did this again uh, a week later. Nothing happened. And so all this time, it was really kind of a dry time after this vision. You know, and so they, he quit. Nothing was happening, so they quit. And so, but they noticed something else. They noticed that they were all sensing the Lord's presence. It was very sweet, but it was a time of preparation, a time of cleansing. How right is my heart towards you, Lord? And we had a conference, uh, a Zoom call with uh, last Friday with um, Pastor Todd. And I sat in Mike's office and listened with him. And that, that's a very important thing uh, that they learned is, you know, not to just go in there and say, yeah, you know, I'm going to try that too. I'm just going to see how that goes. But there is an absolute preparation of your heart. Why am I doing this? Do I, do I really want to seek you, Lord, this intently? And so it's just, it's just a time of, of just preparation of... <clears throat> I would say cleansing your heart. So they resumed baptism, and they started getting revival. People would go into the water. They'd come up new. There would be healing. There would be confession of deep sins. Uh, Tumors were gone. Cancer was gone. Mental diseases. Blood pressure. Restored relationships, thousands, Pastor Todd says, thousands of miracles. So now they come together and they pray five times a week. And this is what they pray. They pray, Lord, just like David said, we seek your face. Lord, we want to behold your glory. And Lord, continue to press into us. If you, if you allow the Holy Spirit to press into you, I, I watch out. <laughs> he'll open you up and he'll show you. And he doesn't do it to disclaim you. He doesn't do it to convict you. He does it to lead you out of that and into his presence, into his full Uh, capacity. It's an invitation. It's not a condemnation. And so now they're, uh, it's ongoing. They're taking teams to other churches. Of course, uh, they're coming to City Hill. Chuck Porta has orchestrated that gotten ta- and gotten ta- contact with Pastor Todd. And that'll be October 4th through the 6th. And so... You know, I was, as I was reading about these and, and, and studying this and stuff, uh, I, I just wanted to write down some common observations that we get from these revivals. 
One is desire. Lord, we are desperate for your manifested presence. We know the Holy Spirit lives in us. We know that. But this is something where the Holy God manifesting himself among his people. David even said it's addictive. And we had several testimonies I listened to, and one was it's, it's, it's addictive. And even Pastor Todd says, whatever happens, Lord, whatever happens, Lord, whatever happens, Lord, don't pull your glory away. Don't pull your glory away from us. That would be the worst thing. David said that in Psalm 51. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. I sinned. You know, the great sin he had with Bathsheba. Psalm 51, he pours his heart out. Yes, I know I deserve punishment. I, I, I deserve, you know, I deserve hell. Even when my bones are crushed, they should thank you. You know, he, he's just saying, I, 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 I don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Another one is brokenness. A contrite, humble heart. Psalm 51, it's in Psalm 51 also. It says this, <clears throat> verse 17, The sacrifice pleasing to God is a broken spirit. You will not despise a broken and humble heart, God. And so that humility, you know, humility is something that you take the responsibility, or I don't say responsibility, but you trust God with your life. That's humility. I'm going to trust you with my life. You're the originator of human life. You're the originator of salvation. You're the originator of redemption. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to be humble about that, Lord. The end of ourselves. Matthew 16, 25 says, whoever wants to see their, whoever wants to save their, save their life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. So we go from death to life. That's, a, that's the same way as humility. Let, trusting him with our life. Another one that's a common observation is pray. Prayer, how important that is. Brian touched on that a little bit this morning in, in uh, Bible class. Every one of them. Every one of them. And even I, and, and checking out a lot of these other revivals, pray. There's somebody in there praying. Somebody is praying. The the, uh, the Welsh revival started with with one guy. One guy was so enthralled with God. He said, "God, we've got to have revival. We have to have revival. Revival could start right here with one person, one person praying." So prayer is a standard with revival. And we, another thing we see is our, our holiness, our purity, our righteousness, that we, they are, we are seeking that. You know, Jesus said, seek first, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Righteousness goes with finding the kingdom. That one's very important. Make my heart, Lord, a habitation for your glory. You know, when I, when I wrote that down, I thought, you know, where, where does God go when he's down? Ever think about that? Where, where, where does God go when he's, oh, he's just, you know, he's just disappointed. You know, he, you know, he's trying to save the world. Think of that. He's trying to save every one of us. That's a big job. Especially with you, Mike. 
And, and you know, does he have times where he just, I, I want to go to somebody. You know, I want to, I, I want to go. You know, I want to go to Roger. Now I said, Roger, can I just camp out here with you? Can I just, can I just schmooze with you? I just, I just want to wiggle around here. Just, you know, it's so comforting to be with you. That, that's all. That's all. You know, I just, I, I thought, Lord, can I be that one? Remember in the garden? You know, what did he ask his disciples? What did Jesus ask his disciples? Can you kind of hang around for an hour? Just an hour. I know he said pray, but, you know, he, he really wanted their, their, their uh, occupancy with him. Making our heart a habitation for God, for his glory. Another notation I made are the results and fruits of these revivals. Number one, the kingdom of God becomes real. Also, the book of Acts comes alive. If you want to know how the church should be today, look at the book of Acts. Sadly, sadly, many, many, many church congregations say that's over and done with. That's all dead. That was the 12 apostles. That's all gone. And shut the door on that. And uh, that was the most powerful time in the church's history. And we're just going to call it a history lesson. Baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. No, that was for back then. <clears throat> no, the book of Acts should be alive and well in the church today. <clears throat> and that's what you see with these revivals. You have greater love for God and his fellow man. That's pretty natural. If God touches you, God is love. Restored relationship. Mental illness is healed. Depression, anxiety, loneliness, self-centeredness, ADHD, bipolar, panic attacks, bodies healed. You know, I thought, you know, I, I, I wanted to list more things that would, you know, like cancer, all these kind of things. But I thought, you know, maybe you could go with, go down the alphabet. What was, what happened in these revivals? What was healed? Let's start with A. Okay, just name it. Name something. Arthritis. Anorexia. Anxiety. Okay, let's go to B. Uh, baldness. No, not that. <laughs> Blindness. Got any other Bs? There you go. Bipolar. How about C? Cancer. You can go on and on. This is, this is what happened in the revivals. Testimony after testimony. Deliverance, demonic deliverance. Absolute intense love and unity. God's all about unity. Glenn ministered that on uh, a couple weeks ago. That, that's just a byproduct of God's presence, is unity and love. So what about our personal revival? Well, I was looking at these songs today and said, Lord, yeah, I want every one of them things we're talking about. Fill me. Be around me. Um, every, every step I take, Lord, I want you to be comfortable with me. 
So what about my personal revival? You know, I don't want anybody to be convicted here and say, oh, God, i got to do all this now, you know. Just start where you're at, and maybe you're on your way right now to revival. You know, something interesting, John Kilpatrick of the uh, Brownsville Church in Pensacola, when that, when that revival hit, he had just finished a uh, 10-part series on God's glory. He's a good preacher. If you ever hear him preach, he's a good preacher. And he just got, just got done with that, that 10-part course on, on glory. He said, when the glory of God hit me, I looked back and I said, I don't know anything about glory. I don't know nothing. I spewed off for 10 weeks there, and I didn't know what I was talking about. He said, well, you, until you experience this glory, you, you don't know. And he said, after that, I, I, all, he te- all he says is just experience it. I'll lead you to that. Brokenness, humility. Brokenness and humility always, just leads, always leads us to something good. We talked about that a little bit. End of ourselves, part of brokenness and humility. Actually, we get lost in him. We don't go off to space somewhere, and I don't mean nothing. I don't count. You, I absolutely do count because he died for you. He shed his blood for you. But we can be lost in him. Paul said, no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Another thing about personal revival is pray. I said this a few weeks ago when I when I uh, preached about where do I park my ego. Uh, learn how to pray. And I'm not being sarcastic. Really learn how to pray. Uh, this morning when Brian brought that up, I said, what's your favorite part here? Is it, is it, is it, is it Bible reading? Is it prayer or is it worship? And most people said prayer. I was, I was, I was thrilled about that. I thought, oh, wow, that's great. Mine was Bible reading. I, I went for years. Bible. I love the Bible. I love to read. But I, I wouldn't pray. I wouldn't hardly pray. I had to force myself. I had to force myself to pray. Does that sound stupid? <laughs> Seriously, a Christian got to force me to pray. But I'm, I was conscious of the Lord. I loved His Word and everything. And when I did pray, I felt so phony. Anybody with me on that? Anybody pray? And you just how phony, how phony you are. But what I learned is I just exalt him. I just exalt him. I, I spread every adjective I could on his name and just with exactly what the word says, and it, 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 it lights up my heart. Now I want to pray. Now I, want to, I really want to pray. I really want to commune with him. Learn how to pray. Finishing up here, holiness. Holiness. God's holy. He's going to have holiness. He's going to have it. He's not going to. He's not going to have sin hanging around his camp, his people. What did he do for sin? He died for it. He's not going to have it. Holiness. Ephesians five twenty five twenty seven. Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. And he did this to what? To present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. You know, this may seem overwhelming to a lot of us, far beyond anything we can do or be or anything like that. 
But God wants to start working in each and every one of us. He wants to have his glory in us. Isn't that amazing? You know, the Bible, you know, and you've heard preachers say, well, God's not going to share his glory with anybody. No, not if you're not his church, he's not going to. But his church is all about giving him the glory, giving my church glory, glorifying my church. My church is me. My church is my people. You know, that verse that says, I will not share my glory with anyone. I think that's in Isaiah. I'm not totally sure. Maybe I'm going to guess 43, but he's talking about idols. I don't want you worshiping and glorifying that idol. You belong to me. I want you to glorify me because I'm protecting you. These over here are deceivers. They will deceive you. They will lead you into error and eternal damnation. So he wants to put his glory inside of us. Colossians 1.27, God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery of Christ, which is Christ in you or Christ in us, the hope of glory. This is what he wants. He wants to glorify his church. And revival does that. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. I don't know what else to say, Lord, than thank you. I pray, Lord, that this is just a a seed. A seed. Planted in our heart, Lord, to have us meditate, incubate these things in our heart, what your desire is. And Lord, you've done this many, many times through revival. We've heard, we've heard the songs, Revive Us Again. But Lord, as we meditate on this, contemplate this, Lord. Lord, you hold this up before us, Lord. Lord, I ask you to press into us. Press into each one of us here, Lord. About a personal revival. Thank you, Father. We praise you. We glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you could stand if you're able. We're going to end with a new song. So as you catch on, you can sure join me. Um, otherwise, I just pray the Holy Spirit would just minister through, through this song to you.